Let me introduce you to this episode's sponsor. It's 97th Floor, an award-winning Moz-recommended digital marketing agency located in Lehigh, Utah, and Orange County, California. They're known for driving bottom-line value results for clients like Pluralsight, Dell, and Salesforce. Visit 97thfloor.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to another episode of Below the Fold. This is Jacob Perry. I'm joined with Brandon Hassler and John Hammond. What's up, fellas? Not much, my man. Brandon, we've missed you, man. What up? Where you been? Oh, had a had another baby girl. You had a baby. Girl number Congratulations, two. Congratulations, Brandon. Thank you. That's revolutionary. It's another listener for the show. That's right. <laughs> In a few years. That's really cool, though. Seriously. Having babies. This is baby number two. Mm-hmm. Second girl. Lots of estrogen in the home. What day was she born? Uh, April 12th. Wow. Almost April, Friday the 13th, which I was kind of hoping for because I was also born on, on Friday, Friday the, 13th. the 13th. So it's my lucky day, but she made it just in time. Well, congratulations. Thank you, sir. Let's get into the show. Let's do it. All right. Let me give you a quick rundown of what we're going to be talking about. First of all, ripinbound.org. Secondly, Gmail. It's not your average mail client anymore. And finally, Cry Closet. What's that? We're actually <laughs> going to. We're, so that's that's our what's hot. What's hot? What's hot? All right. So let's get into what's hot. And then uh, our main show, uh, the topic we're going to be talking about team building, but not the kind of team building you might be thinking about. Let's get started. <laughs> Okay, let's get into it. Yeah. What's hot, John? What's hot? Well, let's start with uh, Gmail, shall we? So, Gmail is rolling out a new look and interface today, actually. Well, so, you actually have it. Yeah. You've well, upgraded already. I have my work email on the old one and my personal email on the new one just to see the differences, whether I like it. So far, I'm not liking it that much. Why? Um, the biggest beef for me, honestly, is any email that includes an attachment, it expands the column width within your inbox. You mean the, the uh, row the width? The row width, excuse me. So it's it just – most of my emails have attachments, so it's suddenly I just have instead of – you know, 20 emails I can see above the fold. I'm only seeing like 10. So, so is there a way to... to uh, there is a way to change that. Yeah, because there's a display mode. Yeah. There's so, touch enabled, comfortable, cozy, compact. Yeah, by yeah, default, yeah, yeah. Uh, those attachments do show you can go to... Compact. Compact, and then it will just put everything one line with an attachment symbol. There we go. Did we just right. solve your beef? So my beef well, is I, gone. I like that. You like really? it? Yeah, Why? I like, I like the expansion. I don't know. It's just nice to know like... Because then you can open an attachment without opening the email. Your finger is going to get tired of scrolling. No. Why? How many emails are you getting, man? Thousands. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, every 10 minutes, I got to flip my phone like six times. I also like it because I normally use Inbox, which was introduced, I think, in 2014. And this is a lot closer to Inbox. Uh, there, there were certain things that Inbox had that, or sorry, that did not have that Gmail has. And so it's kind of nice to see a little bit more Inbox feel on this one. So I'm a big fan of the new design. I actually did a YouTube video. On, you did? Uh, like two weeks ago. 
on this hasn't this been out. Is, well, it's back when it was like rumors. Okay, these are the features mm. we're likely to get. Uh, You've already one, published the video. Uh huh. I usually it was keep only up like on those. a minute and like it was like under two minutes is my shortest video ever. But hmm. some of the new features were uh, the ability to snooze messages. So someone sends you a message rather than just like sit it. If you want to get it out of your inbox, but you also don't want to forget about it, you can have a snooze option so it re shows up in your inbox whenever you're... Which is not new technology. Not new technology. No. New in to fact, Gmail. that reminds me, there used to be an email service that allowed you to send an email that wouldn't get sent for like five years. Five years? I, I mean, like there were different options. Well, yeah, I, so I, I it was used Boomerang or whatever. So it's, it's not Boomerang. This is like... This, is, this was meant specifically for the purpose of... It's kind of like a fun thing, right? So oh, yeah. this was, in fact... You had options. You could do one year, three years, five years. I think five years maybe was the longest. I don't remember. It's been a long time. But uh, at the time I discovered, I I sent like an email to my wife every day for like a week and just like staggered it. So like she should, I feel like she should start getting these emails here pretty quick because this was a few years ago that (laughs) Did she change her email? Uh, No, no. She's had the same one. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to try to find out what it's, what it's called um, because maybe I could. That'd be fun. Send some more emails. Yeah. Anyway, that's what that reminds me of. So now it's easier to get zero inbox. Is that what you're telling me? It's like, oh, I, yeah, I suppose. Right? It's just moving one inbox to another inbox. It's like my invisible. Shuffling, uh, yeah, shuffling mail in between different inboxes. Yeah. Yep. So last thing I'll say about this, I'm still on like original Gmail. I say original. It's probably not original Gmail. Gmail's been a long t- uh, around a long time, but... Uh, I, I don't have, I still don't even, I didn't upgrade to the last upgrade. So I still have an old version of Gmail and I'm, I'm wondering and hoping that I can just maintain the same version. Are they, are they going to force people to upgrade? Uh, I'm sure eventually. What other, fe- what other features do you, are there? The other ones were uh, like auto, a quick reply, I, I, which I think are, or it's already available on the Gmail mobile app. So what's quick Kind of like reply. text messages that you have you now. Say, where okay, great. Thanks. It reads the message, then it comes up with a oh, few suggestions. Auto-suggested. Of auto-suggested replies. One that they, uh, there were screenshots that Google was experimenting with. I'm not seeing it in the new design uh, quite yet, is a self-destruct mode. So you can send an email and have it automatically disappear from that person's inbox within so many i don't know if it's hours days like how custom we can get but if i want to send you something send you something sensitive but i don't want to rely on you deleting it i can say hey by the way this is going to disappear in 24 hours so it's kind of like snapchat kind of like hmm. snapchat are you going to get email. notified if i take a screenshot of the <laughs> of your message who knows probably not well. on desktop so there's a there'll be on capitol hill soon there's a video that uh that is on the verge that uh, they probably pulled, I don't know, I don't know if they did this video. I'm just going to play it real quick and, and get some audio into here. So at first glance, the new Gmail is super cool and has a lot of white space, but it also does look super busy. For example, you can't actually change the width of the sidebar on the right, and also all your attachments on default view now appear inline, which is not my favorite thing because now it takes up a lot more space, fewer emails are visible at first glance. The point of all this, however, is that the attachments are kind of there so you don't have to click the email to get to the attachment. Now, if you don't like all your attachments showing in file, you can always just go to display density and click comfortable or compact to get the paper clip back so that none of your files are showing at first glance. There's also going to be a new confidential mode which builds on features you might already be used to from apps like Snapchat and Instagram. For example, messages can now have 
an expiration date, which self-destructs after a certain amount of time, or you can revoke read privileges, which basically means you can unsend an email. So it sounds like it's available then, the confidential mode they're calling it. Well, she said that the confidential mode is not, is not available yet. No. Oh, okay. But uh, so there are some people who don't even have access to it yet. So I just looked. I actually have the ability to upgrade to the new. I know John had the ability. Have you looked? Yep. So you do as well. I wonder if it's a, is it a regional thing or is it a user thing? I like, bet. would everyone in Utah have it? Well, my nanny's employer didn't get it, my address there. The business account? Yeah, the business account. And I think that's something that the admin has to, like, allow. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. you're probably Yeah, right. that's how it was with calendars because the, they, they came up with a new, like, material design for Google calendars, so it's a lot more minimalistic. And uh, I had to talk to our... Uh, account admin at Dev Mountain in order for her to enable it so that we could then choose yeah, to yeah, upgrade, yeah. which is kind of annoying. Yeah, that is annoying. So there are a lot of security features that I didn't know about. So you had mentioned, one, the confidentiality thing, meaning it self-destructs after a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. What was the other one that you mentioned? Um, Did you say that you responses. could... responses. Oh, canned responses. So, so something else that's available is the ability to, after it's sent, if they haven't read it yet decide that they lose access and basically they can't read it after it's sent. Interesting. Uh, Here's a fun thing with Gmail that I've used for a long time. You know how Gmail has the labs? So it's like you can, it's almost like, which used to be cooler than it is now. Yeah. And I haven't looked at it a long time, but there's one thing that I pulled out of labs that I thought was awesome. And that was the ability to, uh, so if you hit send, you have 30 seconds to call it back. Which, I mean, how often is it like you send something and you're like, ah, oh, I forgot the attachment or, ah, oh, I forgot. All the time. Yeah. So you have that 30 seconds before it actually sends to call it back. Uh, another cool thing with Gmail is if you write in the, the, uh, in the email itself something about an attachment and Gmail detects that there isn't an, an attachment. Oh, yeah. It'll notify you and say, you said you had an attachment. Did you forget to, to attach it or whatever? Anyway, and it... And it uh, it's kind of intuitive in that way. A labs feature that they used to have, but it's not, and I wish so bad they would bring it back, is you could, in your inbox, you could right-click on an email, and it will pop up like a preview. So you could actually read the content of the email without actually going into the email, which is really nice when you're dealing with salespeople, and you want to know what their message is to see if it's actually important or not. But, but you, you don't, don't want, want them, them to see that to you see opened that you read it. it. So you just right-click. You can just like quickly see, okay, yeah, it's just another... like stupid follow-up not interested delete uh versus now you have to click in and it's really annoying yeah yep so so okay so that's gmail did you guys have anything else there i think it's pretty cool one of the biggest things with it that a lot of people don't talk about is tasks which has always been built into gmail it's just always sucked uh now that's built into the side really nice Meaning, they, meaning it's like a to-do list. It's like wonder list type yeah. thing. But now they finally, after all these years, have released an iOS and an Android task. So it's just called Google Tasks. So now you can have... It's a separate app? It's a, it's its own separate app. So it's a, I guess you could say it's a competitor to Wonderlist, even though that's being shut down. Um, Who bought Wonderlist? Microsoft. And then now they're creating... I think it's just called To-Do List or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting where they're actually making tasks, tasks useful. Whereas before it was kind of just like cool idea, it but it, the UX sucks on it and yeah. I can't access it from my phone or other devices. That's cool. Anyway, that's Gmail. That's Gmail. I'm a, I'm a fan. Yeah. You know what? After, after, uh, talking through it, I may actually upgrade. There we Whoa, go. You're going to jump like 
three versions. Well, that's true. And and you know what it is? I love the ability to basically boomerang, right? Mm-hmm. So reschedule them to come back. I also really like the security stuff, even though I'm not like a security weirdo that like, you know, it's super weird about that. But I like, I like the, that they're thinking through that kind of stuff. Okay. So that's Gmail. Brandon, inbound.org. What the heck? Oh boy. Oh boy. Um, inbound.org is going to be no more. I don't know if they set an official close date, but uh, if you go to inbound.org as of this recording, there's a giant yellow banner saying inbound.org is coming to a close. And uh, it doesn't, isn't that a weird way to say it? Yeah. What other way would you say it? So we're shutting down two, two ways. If, if you're going to use we're this moving. Language, inbound.org is coming to an end or inbound.org is closing. Like if, 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 if you want to use this line coming to a close, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it, it sounds like, am I weird? Shakespearean weirdy. It's coming to a close. To <laughs> Uh, six years ago. Do you remember when Inbound started? I do. Inbound started when we were at 97th floor. I know. I was one of their very first users. You and I, I remember we had a competition we for... We were very competitive. This is, this is before they, they... They did have points, but they, it wasn't called Karma. It was called Points, I think. Yeah, I think it was just... yeah. And oh, you boats. and I had a competition to see how high... And, and we were like in the top 10 users yep. at the very beginning Actually, before it even got big. Even when I was going through Market Campus, learning all this stuff from you guys, I remember you guys trying to have me upvote different articles to uh, give yeah. you guys yeah, additional I be, points. I used to be really active. And, yeah. and Inbound got even more cool when they introduced uh, the badges, right? You could get badges for how active you were. If you were like six weeks consecutively uh, being active, you got this like pro badge. And mm-hmm. I remember getting that. I was like, this is sweet. And then I lost it. Never got it back. I just thought it was way cool when you signed up. It was like, hey, introduce yourself to the the crew. And you could, like, say a little something about you. And then, like, I was surprised when I introduced myself. People, like, responded, oh, welcome. You know, glad you're here. Like, it was a really, like, welcoming out of all online communities. It was the most welcoming. Yep. Yeah, I was uh, honestly surprised that it came to close. Were you guys surprised? You're saying like, you were surprised? Like when I got the email, I was shocked. I was I was not super shocked. It was almost like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like I didn't use inbound as much, and I guess we can talk about why I didn't use it as much and see if it's the same reason as you guys. But I mean, it seemed like they had the job section, and uh, with that, uh, there was still people posting jobs. Uh, I would imagine. Again, I don't know the the. The, the business side of this, if there was like a dedicated team that was paid specifically for this, or if it was people who already had it was like a side gig positions. Yeah. If like, if it's just kind of running on its own and you have, you know, HubSpot just looks at it as a, you know, a little marketing arm where it's just like, yeah, we're building a community. Why not keep it up? But, uh, when I read the post from Darmish who kind of just went through, Hey, you know, six years ago we started this, uh, and now we're discontinuing What's what's interesting is it sounds like and correct me if I'm wrong they're switching over to they're going to create a a new platform called Growth Hub which is going to be part of HubSpot Growth.org what do you think they spent for that URL a lot of money it's got to be pretty dang expensive yeah but it's like and then and they ask like what is Growth Hub going to be like and then you can even transfer your karma and stuff like that um what is it going to be like? It's going to be, it sounds like it's just going to be inbound again. Well, they don't know. He said like in his little thing, he said, what exactly will growth hub hub entail? Transparently, we're still figuring that out. We don't know that the, we don't know that a community is more than just a website. Sorry. We know that a community is more than just a website. When the closing of inbound.org and the introduction of growth hub 
HubSpot will be focused on re-examining what makes a community tick and blah, blah, blah. So they don't know. They don't know what growth hub is going to look like. My question is, why why switch? You already own inbound.org. Like, that's already yeah. a well-known and established Why not just revamp, brand. Inbound, yeah, revamp yeah. into something new? I would agree with that if I was in and, the meeting discussing that. And is, is inbound.org going to redirect to growth.org? Um, so I assume that you don't use inbound as much as you used to. It, well, that's absolutely true. But for the show, every once in a while I'd come on here. This is maybe why I wasn't super surprised at its closing, but every once in a while I'd come on here to see if there was something worth talking about on the show. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, it was kind of garbage. Like yep. it was almost like people were just, I don't, I don't know where they were getting it, but it was just like, there's never it really was not news. great. No. It's always just like, uh, Evergreen if, kind of, I say like, evergreen. Evergreen isn't necessarily a good thing. How right? I increased conversions by 32% on this blog and how, yeah. how we did this. And Actually, that's a good point that I just made just now. <laughs> if your content <laughs> is, you repeat that if your content is evergreen, it should not go on inbound.org. And that's what inbound, inbound kind of went from the breaking news that felt like the Reddit of, um, of, of the marketing world where it was like, this is the freshest, like latest gossip news yeah breaking case did, studies did, did in people the, in think the that they were getting links from these articles i don't know well it just kind of turned into because now everyone's creating these case studies and like it's just like hey here's a feed of the best lead gen pages uh of articles that are going to try to sell you on a webinar or to sign up for their email list it wasn't really a community full of uh yeah just it felt very dead, and I and I yeah. couldn't go there for news. It was people didn't go there to uh, collaborate or to uh, to contribute. People went there. At, it almost like became a habit of them. Whatever article they just wrote, they just came and mm-hmm. threw it onto inbound.org as one place they went among a dozen other ones that they posted the same link, trying to get you know a little bit of traffic to to their dumb page. Yep. Yep. And uh, Ed Fry posted on Twitter. He actually kind of went on a giant Twitter rant with just tons of insights on, st- on, on whatnot. Have about you guys, this? About this, um, his thoughts, you know, what could have been different, what worked, what didn't work. Have you guys ever heard of uh, Zest before? Just before the show. <laughs> I mean, Zest, yeah, it's like a brand of soap. Zest.is. Is... You're not fully clean unless you're Zest fully clean. <laughs> well, there we go. Brought to you by the cleaning solution. That's right. So what are you what are you saying? So Zest.is, I actually haven't heard of it until I was kind of digging into these con- these different conversations. I think there was a conversation on Quora on why did Inbound ultimately decide to close. And a lot of people were bringing up Zest. I'm like, okay, what is this? So if you go to Zest.is, it's actually a Chrome extension that you can download for free. And it takes you to a platform, I guess you could call it. It's a page with a lot of interesting news, case studies, very similar to Inbound. The difference is it's it's there's an editorial hand behind it. So, and, and that was one of the problems that a lot of people within the Inbound team admitted. Inbound was very easy to game. It became just a platform of who's gaming it and who's not, which then skews the content. It's not good. Now readers aren't coming back because it's just turning into a bunch of advertisements. Yeah, we used to game it all the time. Yeah, it was very easy to you, game. You just post something on there, and then you yell to the rest of the office, <laughs> hey, I just sent out a link. Uh, hit the yep. upvote. And then you're on the first page. Yep. And they started to crack down, and they got a little bit smarter. Still, it wasn't difficult to game if you really wanted to. 
Um, but on this one, they have a section where you can suggest a link, whether it's, you know, a, an interesting case study, a, a whiteboard Friday video from Rand or a really good piece of news. And they still decide they handpicked what goes on there. So there's still that editorial control. And so I you, think you can nominate an article or a piece of content. And if there are enough nominations, it, it reaches, you yeah. know, an editorial team. They take a look at it. If it passes their muster, yeah. they'll publish. Which ultimately, that's what works. The only community I have seen that has gone against that model that is still successful today is Reddit. And I feel like Reddit is a unicorn in the community world. Whereas everything else, like people, like Twitter curates what's trending. Facebook curates. Uh, in politics, you have sites like DrudgeReport.com where like people kind of just hope that the editorial side does its job and gives you the best. I don't want to rely on the community to try to pick what's best because you always have people who try to get in there and game the system for their own self-benefit. Well, whereas... well okay. So think about, uh, think about news apps, right? Mm-hmm. Like Apple's News or Flipboard or whatever. Uh, it tracks what articles you're looking at. It tracks what articles you're you're upvoting or, or thumbs upping or whatever. Yep. Something like StumbleUpon where you as a user are giving the platform your information to say, I like this, I don't like this. And then it curates from a software perspective, not like a, a board of editors, mm-hmm. but from a software perspective, Inbound didn't even have that. Like if they had a personalization where it's like, these are the articles that John spends most of his time looking at. Here are the authors that he most gravitates towards or whatever. And then they start generating content based on the preferences that you have already shown and the information about yourself you've given them. They would have lasted a lot longer. Sure. And I think, uh, I feel like that's going to be a battle. that's going to be harder and harder to win. If you're not Google, if you're not Apple, uh, Google's uh, Google Assistant, which that's actually where I get most of my tech and marketing news. I just swipe to the right on my phone, and Google knows exactly what's going on through my head because it's recording all of my searches. It knows what I'm looking at on social, and everything I search, everything I you know do is in within Google Chrome. So they know exactly what's going to be interesting to me, and that doesn't require an an editor. It just requires a very sophisticated algorithm, and I don't think these companies are ever going to really be at the level that Apple and Google and, the, and and Facebook are at. And so the question is, is there any worth in starting a curated news website in 2018? Or is it going to be dead in three years? Or do you think there is room what, for... What, sorry, what, what do you think would replace it if it, if it were dead? Oh, I think it's being replaced by AI, like developed by Google, Apple, Facebook. I think so they're on you a- think the behemoths are basically going to put any company like Zest out of business because they already have the user base. Yeah, because I mean Zest still can be influenced by money, uh, you know, an editor, oh yeah, he's my buddy, I'll go ahead and feature this, whereas these algorithms are far more sophisticated and know exactly what when you go to Zest and when I go to Zest they should be different because you have slightly yeah, different interest. Be. I have, and that's never really, I mean, unless Zest invests in building out a huge AI team, they don't have the technology to compete with companies like Facebook and Google and Apple because we're using their devices every single hour of the day. Um, I don't know. I think that's interesting. And I think Facebook groups honestly has really hurt. Most of the marketing communities that I'm on that I'm actually active in are all, all on Facebook. There are Slack communities those get really crowded, noisy, super fast. Uh, I mean, uh, SLCSEM, which I think they're changing their name, right? To they already did. DMC, right? 
no, well, it's U, DMC. UDMC uh, or something UDMC. like that. Utah Digital Marketing Community or something no, like that? No, no, no. The C is uh, Coalition. Ah. Oh. But yeah, even that, like you, you take two days off and then you go back on, you're like, oh, too much. I don't know where to start. And it's it can be ton. overwhelming. Uh, Facebook, I think, is really putting a dent in the, in the, the community world. And Reddit, I feel like Reddit's just going to stand the test of time. I don't think Reddit's going anywhere. And you know, they're not changing their UI. They're not doing yeah, anything. They don't need to because no, they, they don't. It's so simple and it's so quick. Uh, they and they they got in that community game. Listen, early. dude. Yeah, I was just going to say, Reddit is a testament to being first to market. They yep. do not have the best thing on there. It, there's there's is not could even be way close better. to the best platform out there. But they have the user base. Mm-hmm. And you think about the people on Reddit; they're like hardcore like loyalists man john you're a reddit guy yeah man hardcore reddit guy love it how often do you get on uh probably twice a day holy cow i get on less than twice a year really yeah i go I on get on like once a day i'll tell you reddit the coolest thing reddit does is the secret santa do you guys do reddit secret santa no you've never heard of it no Every year they do this. Bill Gates participates in Reddit Secret Santa. Oh. So this is where yeah. uh, it's this, I mean, Reddit basically you sign up and you commit to buying a, 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 a something for some random person that gets assigned to you. So you just join this program, Reddit, Reddit you know, randomly selects, selects and, and matches you with someone else around the country. And then you buy a gift, minimum price of 20 bucks, and you mail it to them. And they have like a wish list. So they give you a wish list. Uh, Well, wish list. It's like, here are my interests here. You know, here's where I live and what, you know, whatever. And then you buy them uh, a gift and you mail it to them. And then you get a gift from someone else. And every year, uh, Bill Bill Gates, Gates, he joins and he, his gifts aren't even that cool. It's like one, one year he got someone, uh, he bought on someone's, uh, excuse me, uh, in behalf of his secret Santa person, he bought them a cow or a goat or something and sent them a certificate. Like, Hey, I bought a cow on your behalf and sent it to some, you know, starving yeah. family in Africa or something, which is cool. But when you go onto Reddit, it's kind of like you just want to you want to see Bill Gates gives them a check for ten million dollars. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, yeah. have a great life. Or you <laughs> yeah. can retire. Yeah, you he know? can afford that, right? Yeah, he can. Uh, so th- I thought that that's pretty cool. The last two years, I did it three years ago, I think. The last two years, I remembered like the day or two after the deadline, and I couldn't even I couldn't get on. I'm going to do that this year. But yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, anyway, so that's that's the only thing I really use Reddit for. Reddit's also good for like developing stories. Uh, Reddit was huge in the uh, Boston Marathon bombing in what was that? Two thousand yeah fourteen. Two thousand fourteen was that two thousand fourteen? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Well, I don't know. Yep. I guess you would know. You're a Boston guy. Yeah, marathon. Was, yep, he's two fourteen. <laughs> You're a Boston guy. He ran. I ran it. <laughs> that makes you a Boston guy. Yeah, Boston more, strong. More than I am. The water. A Boston Marathon guy. I should clarify. Um, but, uh, they were actually pretty big. Anytime you have a developing story, same with the Vegas shooting, uh, where there's like information that still needs to come forward. Often you can get, like, if you want to know what the news is going to be talking about, uh, go to Reddit and they'll already be covering it like 20 to 30 minutes before. Um, and obviously you're going to get some things that aren't quite true, but it's just interesting how this community comes together and you have all these like freaks, like, Oh, I've already dug up this guy's Facebook. Here's all the details, his house address, boom, 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 families. Like, it's like we're all these like underground geniuses who have the ability to just like grab any kind of dirt in the internet. They go and post it there. And a lot of times the news grabs that. They post it where? Just like when you go to reddit.com, it'll, oh. there'll be like a section where it's like 
click here for the open live chat basically and it's like all these information people submitting uh-huh. and then the good stuff moves up to the top so it's really interesting how they're able to curate a developing story live in front of you uh completely outsourced by everyone on reddit and uh when you it's watch the documentary though yeah but it's it's so much more organized yeah. than twitter's just like you're still talking out like these are people working together and every documentary i've watched on the boston marathon like the whole manhunt like reddit always comes up as one of the biggest contributors to to, to catching those people so quickly i come from a journalism background and every uh, news agency in the world dreams of that type of situation where people are collaborating and just bringing them free content and uh, putting that into a story structure just like that so reddit is truly amazing so Reddit's got it, but uh, Inbound is not. And I also think, uh, and one of the things that uh, What's-His-Face Ed Fry talked about, I forget what the effect was called, but um, essentially it's when you have people who, as soon as those those top contributors, the guys who are providing real value, if they start to see that they're not getting return on the value they're providing, they bounce, and now your community becomes mediocre. And you saw that with, I mean, even Rand, I feel like, just kind of bounced from inbound you you weren't you didn't really see Rand's posts i don't know it, that community in the early days was really a powerful way to network get really good information and now it's just let's see who can let's see who gained the system today yeah well and, uh, two, rest two in things peace. one ed fry has the most karma out of everyone so he's at number one and he's he's something like he's more than ten thousand karma above the number two person Second thing, Rand, he's still on the first page, so he's got plenty of karma on there. But I have this, I, I get this feeling that Rand just feels kind of like the industry let him down. Like, that's the sense I get from him, you know? Like, the whole thing with Moz that went down, like, I don't know, he just feels jaded. And now he's getting into software. I mean, he's always been in software, but this is, uh, what's his new gig now? I believe it's an influencer, yeah, influencer. marketing tool. Yeah, so he's kind of switched. I mean, SEO is his roots, you know? And uh, if it feels like he's he's a little bit jaded on that and is now working toward influencer marketing, which is cool and important, but yeah, totally different. You also have a lot of douchebags in the marketing community. I've learned. Yeah. I mean, anytime you post advice, you always have that guy where it's like, "That's the stupidest advice I've ever seen. This is so stupid. This is the way it's supposed to be." Yeah, there are trolls in every industry. Yeah. Spark Toro. A lot of ego yep. in this industry, and I think that ego hurts these kind of communities because you almost become afraid to speak up like, I'm not one of the 18 elite people that are posting here every day. And you eventually kind of, you, you pigeonhole yourself into, okay, now this community is about these 30 people and everyone stands back and watches and they're they're afraid to comment because then one of those big 18 people are going to be like, not so fast, buddy. Who do you think you are? I've got 15 plus years of experience here. I know what I'm talking about. And it's always the guys I hate that always open up with, I have X plus years of experience. And I'm like, you're a, you're a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> the second right. you have to say that to like add credibility I don't I've know, been in of industry. any industry, I feel like marketing, your, your, your time in marketing, that is like the least important thing. Yeah, if you're a doctor 10 plus years, I'll take you over the guy who's been one. Marketing... I don't feel like it makes a difference because you could be a dinosaur. Well, I was just going to say, sometimes it, some, sometimes it hurts you. Yeah. It's like sure. 15 years. Okay. But you're still living in the, yeah. you're, you're still spending all your money on radio. Yep. And you I sp- won't name names, but all the people that always open up with X plus years in the industry, they're always, you the know ones, who you are, you know, who, you, know you, who are, you are and your uh, presentations are almost garbage. always, 
update those curvage. decks. Get out yes. of town. Yeah. Visuals Gosh. suck. Okay, so inbound. See you later. Peace. All right, real quick, let's take a quick break from relevant things and talk <sighs> about the cry closet. Oh, love it. You guys, this is this is the University of Utah. I graduated from the University of Utah. This makes me proud to be a Ute. I'm I'm excited. Pretty much want me to drop it. Go, drop it, right. drop it. Drop it. Nemo Miller, a student at the University of Utah, installed a cry closet in the library at the university where she is a student. The piece is designated uh, and designed to allow students 10-minute secluded crying sessions. A must for anyone, especially in these finals weeks. So they have a couple of rules, but uh, it's kind of blown up on Twitter, and um, the students are kind of renaming it for several different reasons. Yeah, what's the hashtag? Um, the hashtag you have to use while you have to, you have to, you have to, it's, it's in the list of rules is anytime you post a social media while in the cry closet is hashtag cry cry closet. You of you, you're proud of this. Would you use the cry closet? (laughs) No. Well, I, no, I was just, in fact, I was going to ask, I know Brandon, you didn't really go to college, but John, you went to college. Were finals like hard for you? Uh, no. No. Yeah. I like, I, I I took them all the first day so I could have the rest of the week to just like hang out. You could choose that. Um, a lot of them were. If they weren't scheduled, yeah, I could just bang, bang, okay. bang. I I don't remember stressing about it. I don't remember like, I remember uh, I there was a girl that I liked. This is kind of weird to talk about, but there was a girl that I liked at at the time, uh, somewhere in the middle of my college career, and uh, we spent the entire night just hanging out, right? Uh, and I had a final the next day at like nine a.m. So I got home at like 8 a.m. <laughs> and I spent a few minutes uh, preparing or studying or whatever. And I was just like, screw this. And I went and I studied or I, I took the exam and that was it. And I passed and it was like, fine. Like it wasn't, I was not the type to stress. Like tears were the last thing on my mind when it came to finals. But so I know some people freak out about it. So you would be one of these other students who are calling it either you know, the makeout chamber or the, the hot box, the hot box, <laughs> like they're going to be smoking weed out of there. So no, I, I think it's cool. Not because like I would go do it, but I, like, it's a cool idea. Yeah. Uh, it stands out. I mean, it's trending on Twitter and mashable mashable <laughs> is writing about it. So I think that's, what's cool. I wonder what kind of approvals they had to get to even build it and, and put it there. Yeah. Here's the thing, man. <laughs> I'm, what? Like, I'm like going through the hashtag and it's like all negative stuff about it. Like I would not consider it pot. Like it's just like, like the university of Utah just like, Hey, I know it's, it's, it's hard to find things to make fun of us. So here you go world. And you know, BYU is going to go to town on this with all the whole rivalry stuff. Like your university has a cry closet. I guarantee you're going to see signs at games about the cry closet. And it's I'm sure just they'll, like, no, if BYU smart, makes, they would build one for like football <laughs> games and say, I like, color it red, you know, Utah oh, yeah. players in here, you know, that'd I'm, be I'm sorry, but <laughs> BYU is the last team that should be <laughs> uh, building a cry closet for Ute fans. I'm just saying it would be funny. <laughs> I'm saying if they are smart, they'd do something funny. No, I, no, no, no. I, I totally agree. Like yeah. if, if, if it were the other way around, if BYU had the cry closet and Utah built a cry closet be for funny. BYU fans, that would make sense. But when was the last time BYU freaking beat Utah? It's been like seven years or something. Yeah. I believe seven years. Seven we're, games. We're a red state. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> the general consensus I'm seeing on here is that it makes the university look very soft and uh, sensitive, which it already kind of has that reputation. Wait, because, soft and sensitive. You're making that sound bad. Is that yeah. bad? Yeah, like students, like easily offended. Because the U already has that kind of reputation of it's the more liberal school, very politically correct, and now they install a, cl- a cry closet. That's like, not, that's not, that wasn't my impression. Going, my impression was that like, I'm hey. saying this is what I'm seeing on the hashtag yeah, yeah, right yeah. now. There are some funny memes, though. <laughs> Suicide booth, twenty five cents. If you want to spend, <laughs> you want to spend some quality time, just wasting time. So just check look out the up hashtag. The hashtag. Yeah. hashtag cry closet you of you. But hey, any publicity is good publicity, right? Now well, Donald Trump would agree with that. They're getting they're getting links from big websites. So no joke, man. SEO I, I, guys, I think it's cool. You are going nuts right now. I think now. that's cool, man. Like, <laughs> who, wait, oh, who are, who's going nuts? The SEO guys at U of U, yeah, as if they've it's got like, some. Finally, of those. we're getting links. <laughs> People care about us for a day. All right. Uh, okay, so that was a good little uh, break. Let's. Uh, we don't have a ton of time left, but let's spend a little bit of talk talking about team building. And I want to be clear here: I don't care about the morale of your team. We're not talking about that t- type yeah, of team building. Morale sucks. We want to talk about how you build teams. So structure of your team, like how many SEOs do you have? How many content marketers do you have? What, uh, what's the ratio of, of feds to designers? What, uh, what's your preference? What's ideal? Should we start with where we currently are at? Sure. All right. Let me start with, let me start with Vivint. Okay. So Vivint Smart Home, the way we're structured is the digital marketing team is actually owned by the NIS team, the National Inside Sales. So we actually report up to the sales VP, not through the marketing. So we don't report up to our CMO, which is odd. Wow. And depending on who you ask, you'll get people who say, yeah, that makes total sense. Some people will be like, yeah, that's super weird. I'm one of the people who are like, okay, that's a little weird, right? So in in an ideal world, so talking about Vivint specifically, there are three arms of Vivint. There's NIS, which is inside sales. There's direct to home, Right, those are the door knockers that everyone, uh, the bros, the bros, yeah, the, yeah, the flat, flat, the flat brim, the protein shakes. You got it. He knows all about them. <laughs> and then there's retail. So we've got retail. We've got partnerships with Best Buy, with Sprint. We've got some other ones rolling out. So retail, direct to home, and national inside sales. In I, in an ideal world, I I would see a digital marketing team being over the corporation. So it's a corporate team reporting up to the CMO where there's one department that helps the, the inside sales guys with their marketing. There's one department for the direct to home. And then there's a retail department, right? That's not how it works. We're literally the only digital marketing team and we are on national inside sales. So direct to home, they don't have a digital marketing team retail. They don't have a digital marketing team. So anything that they need, they either come to us or they try to do themselves and it's a mess, right? So that's kind of broad view. When, when we zoom into the digital marketing team, we're broken up into uh, acquisition, which is our paid media, our organic stuff, our affiliates, and our email. And and then we have our marketing operations team, which is made up of a few people. We've got uh, designers, which in some cases we have a design team that's kind of autonomous, taking care of whatever needs there are. And in other cases, there are designers who are dedicated to specific teams, right? So my content marketing team on the, on, on the team that I manage, we have our own designer. We have our own writer dedicated to the stuff that we need, which uh, is how 97 floor functions. 
which it wasn't always the case. Do you remember that, Brandon? Mm-hmm. In the early days, it was design team. They sat in a room. The writer sat in a different room. The marketer sat in a different room. And we worked together. And when we had a project, we would get assigned a writer. We would get assigned a designer. And then we would go work with those individuals for that project. But then once it was over, we could get reassigned a different designer or a different writer based on, yep. on what we were looking for. That's not how it is anymore. Nope. Now you've got writers and designers. Yeah, we've got a team built that, out. That, yeah, that are built around a specific team. Yeah. Do you think that's better or worse? I think it's better. And and maybe it's circumstantial. Maybe it depends on how things are set up. We had both. When I started at Vivint, the design team was totally separate. In fact, the design team was uh, reported up to the CMO. So the design team didn't even report in through our, our organization. So they weren't even accountable to our projects which was really frustrating. So we finally started hiring our own. We changed the structure. So now they're reporting up through our organization and we, we actually dictate priority now. Whereas before we would set our priority, give it to them, and then they would shuffle it with all the other priority that they were doing for either brand or you know just different departments uh, throughout the organization. Ever since we brought them over to our organization, we have dedicated designers. It's not a bottleneck anymore, which is a significant improvement on what it, what it looked like before. Um, our biggest, uh, one of our, so there are two big gaps right now. Our biggest gap in digital is email. We have one person over email. Like is, how mind blowing is that? For one, all of Vivint? All of Vivint. There's well, one email on in marketing. We've got like emails for like customer service scheduling. Uh, but for like prospects and like nurture, we have one, there's one person. And, and I'm, I'm like, I'm people listening right now can't see your facial expressions and your reactions, but John widened his eyes like, whoa, <laughs> uh, Brandon, his was less You've, surprising, but I think I was surprised he's the first hardened. time you told me. <laughs> so yeah, we're still one person and that's like a huge opportunity, huge gap. Uh, and that's, that's, that's part of the structure. The other, uh, is content marketing. So I built out the content marketing team from scratch. And right now that we have a content marketing manager who has a writer and a designer, and there's an, there's a, there's an open position for a content marketer on that team that we're trying to hire out. But the only way I was able to justify getting a content marketing team was attaching it to the SEO team, right? So I have this mantra, which is SEO dictates the needs, content fulfills the needs. And that's how I was able to expand the team. You think about content marketing, it's its own thing. It's its own thing. Content marketing can stand on its own two feet. Like it doesn't have to be crutched with SEO, not in the case of Vivint Smart Home because everything is direct. This feels like it's negative. Our team is awesome. We have a really great team. It's strong. We're seeing tons and tons of growth. I'm actually really happy with the direction we're going. Uh, It it just sounds negative because I'm focusing on what I, I think are kind of the gaps. And content marketing is one of the biggest gaps we have. Anyway, I don't know how specific we want to go, and I don't want to take up all the time, but that's just a glimpse of kind of the internal workings of Vivint's digital marketing team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I mean, we could spend another 30 minutes going through that, but what? Uh, how's it set up at Dev Mountain? Uh, very small compared how many to people are on the How many people are on the digital marketing team? Um, well, it's the marketing team, but we're pretty heavy Screw digital. you. <laughs> the marketing um, team. We have we have a developer, but he now I pushed him over to the development team, but he still pretty much works on marketing stuff. Like 90% wait, when you of the say time. you pushed him, so we have a developer. You had a fe- was it a front end guy? 
Um, he was front end, back end. Yeah, okay, front so and back end. Front and back he end. He was over our website, like building out the, the the forms, like anything. And originally, he reported up to you. Yeah. And you pushed him over to report up to what the IT to our development team. That way, he can be mentored more because he was he was a Dev Mountain graduate, so he's still fairly new. Sure. So he still works on all. But of you our still projects. have control. Yeah, we have control. We we give him assignments and whatnot. So we have him, and then we have a content marketing specialist. That's our newest hire. Uh, she's pretty much anything content, anything copy, uh, whether it's a PDF download, Does she posts. write it or does she, she writes it okay, right she now. Does, so okay. she has a journalist, journalism. HR That's right. Background. I remember you looking for someone who had writing experience. Yeah. So she does a heavy amount of writing. I'm sure that will change as we grow because we have a lot of bigger initiatives to where either it's, we need more writers or we need to her to start outsourcing to good sources and whatnot. And then we have a uh, digital marketing manager and he kind of still floats. I'm trying to get him more, specified in a role just because when he was one of the original marketers on the team and yeah. it was just him and and you and well not me him and tyler who's not there anymore but uh they just kind of did everything together like whatever was needed so he's still kind of that role so he kind of just i hand off a lot of assignments to him um who does your seo so seo our seo somewhat of our content and uh, our, our ppc is outsourced, outsourced to 97th floor so we kind of have like our seo guy through there and then pj pj yep what's up pj so, pj yeah so that's our team i and i'm the director so i'm i'm supposed to be a lot more high level than i am but i still have a lot but you of don't my have the hands. resources so you're being more tactical and i think i have a problem that i have a hard time delegating tasks because i either really enjoy doing it or it's that mindset of like oh i can do this better, better and faster but then the team's never going to grow my job so it's and i remember my like my first year at nice and floor i remember chris and wayne pulled me in the room and they told me that same thing it's like you're really good but you suck at delegating and you got to get better otherwise your team's never really gonna keep growing because you're gonna keep trying to do everything chris you're not admitted gonna have he had the same problem build strategy yeah it's hard to let go but you got to do that you got to let them learn so i'm trying to get better at that but uh yeah it, it allows me to spend more time on dude they told you that like five years ago who uh chris and wayne i know how, how, how would you I'm figure better. it out already i'm <laughs> he's going I'm better to the, but i just always have of... that i always have that need where it's like i can just do it myself dude i'm thing. like the opposite it's like as soon as someone is willing to do something I'm like do it yeah i need i am getting better i mean i've seen hire you as like my personal coach he's coming for a couple hours a day and every time i'm like i'll do that you slap my hand you say no you won't pick one of these Yes. One of these chumps over here. Yeah. Pick one of these chumps. <laughs> All right. here. No, that's my team. Very small. So I'm in this section where email is one of those areas that we don't really have anyone dedicated to email. We all kind of have our hand in it. I, I'm probably the most involved, but uh, I'm trying to figure out is email the, the, the person that we need to hire because I feel like we're not getting the ROI we need. Is it someone building funnel pages uh, all day where it's just like kind of a CRO slash PPC expert, really good at ad copy building the landing page, getting them into a lead. I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out. So I've done a lot of research on like, what are the key roles? The best article I found is from marketing land. And, uh, I've gone through and they have six roles you need in your marketing team. Plus two, you haven't considered. Okay. Hang on before you get there. I want to, I want to do a little transition with the, with a little, um, setup here. So what we've been talking about, this is, these are, do you feel like your team that you just described is optimal? Uh, no, for, not for, for its size, for its size. Like if, uh, meaning if you have, how many people did you say five? I don't remember. Four, including me. Okay. Right so now. four, you have four people on your team. Do you think that the, the four you have are filling positions that you would choose 
with four positions? I don't think so. And that's what I'm trying to, I think with the marketing manager, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like I need to kind of niche him in something. I'm trying to figure out what that key area is or if it's like, he's new enough to where you, if when you choose, you mold him. Yeah. I mean, he's been with the company for a while, but at the end of the day, we don't need someone who can kind of do everything where I want to specialize yeah. stuff. So I'm trying to, so I feel like we, uh, we don't necessarily need a bigger team. We need the right team. I think we've got the right number of employees, Although for as many products as we're offering that are like starting to get like totally different personas, it would be nice to have more. Yeah. But no, I do. I feel like there is room for optimization. So I was interested in this conversation. Okay. So you, I'm in that position where it's like, I don't feel like I have the right. And you have control. You're the hiring manager. Not saying I don't have the right people. I just don't have the right focuses going on right now. Okay. So, okay. So I'm, I'm imagining that the article that you're about to get into it's basically breaking down. If you don't have a digital marketing team and you're starting from scratch, here are the positions that you should fill first. It seems like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. This okay. is kind of like your core structure that you have. You need. read it, John? Yeah, you have. I'm the only one who hasn't seen this. <laughs> Let's quiz you. I, I kind of want to like, I haven't put a ton of thought into this, but I, and I'm also biased, right? Because of my background, six positions. So this is, uh, I, I, <clears throat> I may need clarification. This is digital marketing, right? This isn't just marketing. Yep. So we're not talking about like paid media, right? Like billboards and radio and stuff like that. No. No. Okay. It is pretty uh, digital focused. Okay. So now tell me this before I go on. Do you agree with the list? Ah, I was going to bring that up. I'm not sure if I do. Okay. I refer to it. There's some where it's like, really? Like that would be a core person? Okay, so, so SEO SEO would be a core person. In but my maybe. Mind. I'd have an SEO manager. SEO specialist is one of the six okay, roles. I'd get a paid manager. Um, I think that was on That here. is role number three. PPC, okay. yeah. I would get a content marketing manager. So content is... Is one a, of the two uh, you didn't think of? One of the... Well, they have account-based content marketer. That is not someone who is dedicated... Or sorry, they don't have anyone dedicated to content... It's just on the on that phase. core six. They had that was one of the bonus, which is interesting. That's yeah, that's stupid. Anyway, just to clarify, the paid. I'm not just talking like PPC. I'm also talking affiliate, uh, all that stuff. So paid, paid, if like yeah, they're like really, social paid too would would go under the paid. They're manager. really focused just on PPC in this one. Yeah, so I would have I would have a paid manager who breaks who, uh, let's call it a paid director, director of paid. And they have a PPC guy. They've got a they've got a social guy. They've got an affiliate guy. Like that all f- feels like it, it belongs in in the paid. Uh, I'd have an email marketer. They email is not on there. Do you disagree with that? Uh, email ye- feels feels pretty core to me. Email is one of those things. As I think about email, uh, I feel like so much of email is more than just email. Like getting someone who's just in there doing email, they're not really just doing email. They're figuring out, like, they kind of bleed into a CRO guy, I feel like. Well, there's CRO that includes, that's email, but, and there may be similar practices between uh, optimizing for conversions in email and optimizing for conversions on the web. There are different technologies. Like, I, I can see them being two different people. This one has the. Um this just has does it have a cro on there specifically and, and do CRO they put email under cro designer designer yeah okay 
So that's a little specific. Not even like a CRO specialist, if you will, marketing specialist. Okay. So, okay. So let me reiterate. I would get an SEO manager. I'd get a paid manager. I'd get an email manager. I'd get a content marketing manager. I would get uh, a conversion rate optimization manager. And that person, I, I think that person could uh, be... Uh, they have well, I think email it could overflow. as the marketing. So marketing manager is one of the marketing manager role. Yeah, which is interesting because Who wrote this uh, Mark, someone from marketing land. You want their name? No, yeah. Garrett McGruff. I don't care about Garrett. No, <laughs> and VP of marketing role number one. VP of marketing and then marketing manager. Okay, who's reading this article if not the VP of marketing? <laughs> well, maybe that VP is like okay. I'm the VP guy, so now I need to get a marketing manager. Or it's a CEO. Probably. So what, he's trying to validate? Hey, if, you, if you're the VP of marketing and you're reading this, spot on, man. <laughs> you're there. <laughs> okay, so one. VP of marketing, that's stupid. Uh, okay, and, like, then, and then you can me, build your team around that. The guy that you said you had one guy who was over email. It's a girl. You sexist. Sorry. I, I, I was actually even thinking that. <laughs> I'm like, I should say guy slash girl. Uh, you have one girl over email. What is her day-to-day like? I don't know. Where does where do her boundaries end? Like, is she just purely, so, I'm looking at subject lines, open rates, and email copy, or is she also concerned about the landing pages that are pulling in these emails and then the output of what the sales process looks like? Uh, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of all of that stuff. So I don't know. I don't know the intricacies or the, in high detail, what she's doing, but uh, I know that there's a nurture track that's being built out. I know there's a pre-install series that's going out she's also in charge of our referral program right so if someone refers a friend of vivant she's the one who's in charge of building out that program uh that's right that's yeah i, I mean she, when I she's, think she's about... new to email right so she doesn't have a ton of experience uh it'd be nice if there was like a mentor like my suggestion would be let's let's hire an email marketing manager someone who has five, seven plus years of email experience, put them in a, in a managerial role. And then this, uh, this gal we have over email can report up to him as a mentor. Like she doesn't have a mentor. She doesn't have someone who, who can teach her how to be a better email marketer. And I, I, I imagine, and if I were in her position, I'd be super frustrated that, you know, I would feel marooned. Like I, I'm, I'm the only person here who's over email and I don't have a ton of support. I mean, you think about if, the fact that there's only one person in email tells you how much uh, commitment there is from an organizational standpoint for email. I mean, that, that's pretty mm -hmm. frustrating. One of the thoughts I have, and maybe you can educate me on why this is a bad thought to have when I think about should Dev Mountain hire like a dedicated email person? Because I have thought about that a lot. One of the concerns I, I always go to is they're going to come in, see that, okay, yeah, your email process sucks. I'm going to go ahead and start building out really good email flows and campaigns, get it all optimized. But then are they going to hit a point where it's kind of running on its own and there's not enough for them to do within that email role to no keep way. them busy all day? No way. So once they have like, let's say we got like six campaigns going, are they just always building new campaigns? Always optimizing? Yeah. So we don't have a ton of time. I'll give you an example of what I did at Myriad because I think that it's a pretty good case study for email. I had three tracks, okay? And, and, and this may or may not apply specifically to Dev Mountain, 
but there were three tracks. There was an educational track that was ongoing. This is ongoing content that's built fresh in their in their inbox that they're getting continually on a on a regular cadence. That was our education track. Uh, then we had a uh, excuse me, sorry. The first track was a nurture track, and that's people who hadn't been a customer yet, right? So it's actually pre-built um, content that is the same. It's like six emails. They get email one, they get email two through mm-hmm. email six. And then uh, that is kind of the funnel, right? You have starting at the top, you bring them down to the bottom. There is, uh, I mean, it's more, there's logic behind how often they get the first email because if the second email has information that they shouldn't have until they've read the first email, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. So there's this nurture track. Once they purchase, they become a customer and they go into the education track, meaning we got them. The nurture track worked. We nurtured them. They became a customer. They go into the education track now, and that's just to you know keep them myriad. This is myriads. Uh, keep them top of mind. Yeah. We also tracked, but we we tracked how often they tested with myriad. So if they went, I don't remember the time frame, but if they went thirty or sixty or ninety days without submitting a test, they got bumped from the education track down to the win back track, and the win back track was similar to the nurture track because the nurture track was kind of an education. It was like here's why you should test. Here's uh, the benefits, the pros. Here's the the impact it'll have on your practice. All this stuff, and then if they tested, we assumed they understand the importance of testing. And this is genetic testing. If they go sixty or ninety days, whatever the the time frame was, without testing, we know that they've lost the spark. They've lost the understanding of how important it is. So we go into the win back, whether that is we need to win them back from the competition. Here's why we're better than the competition, or we need to re-engage in a way of saying, this is, this is super important. The fact that you're not doing it is bad. Like that's, that's not, that's not good. So we, we win them back. Uh, and then as soon as they, they test again, they go away from our win back track back into our education track. And that the education track is the continual process of building and sending out new content. So there was that logic, right, of switching in between tracks based on where they're at in the journey. And uh, the the nurture and the win back track, yes, it's static, but you can always continually update that as time goes over. It's just something that can sit for six months and be okay. Yeah. It's that middle education track that is really important. It's, it's a type of nurturing, right? Because even though there is a specific nurture track, this education track continually puts information in front of their eyes telling them why it's important to you know do whatever you want them to do yeah and i'm thinking at dev mountain using that same uh like setup you could do that for each different like type of class you're doing so one for Mm -hmm. salesforce one for web one for design whatever and that's a ton of work so so we are actually out of time uh, I didn't imagine us taking so much time or, or this even being uh, interesting enough to talk so <laughs> long about it. Uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to leave a review on iTunes. Uh, you can reach out. Uh, let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you think about inbound.org shutting down or the new Gmail uh, um, features. Reach out. We love it. You can hit us up on email. Our email address is inbound at belowthefold.io. Alternatively, you can hit us up on Twitter below the fold io and that's it until next week we'll catch you below the fold out peace